Who here has been to Hawaii? Yes, Hawaii is such a great place. A number of years ago, my wife and I went there. It was before kids, some 17 years ago. Um, yeah, and when we went, we went to the island of Maui, and we were really looking forward to, to doing some activities. I was super excited about going snorkeling. I don't know if you like snorkeling, but I was all about checking this uh, snorkeling thing out. I got my own gear at Costco. We were super excited, and uh, we got a tip to go to this place on Maui called Honolulu Bay. And if you've ever been there, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful place to go snorkeling. Um, but when you first get to the beach, there's a little a river that kind of dumps into the bay there, and it creates a little murkiness to the water. And uh, so when we were uh, kind of getting our gear on, I'm super excited. My wife's looking at the water. She's like, wow, that, that's looking a little bit murky, a little sketchy. I know what lies in murky water. And I'm like, I'm undeterred. I'm going to go for it. You know, I, I'm going to show her I'm the man, and I'll, I'll lead the way. And as I step into this murky water and, and, you know, start swimming, I have my head up. And so, sooner or later, you know, I just get tired, and I, I've got to put my head down. And so I end up looking down, and it is totally murky. It's black. There's stuff floating around. You can't see anything. And I'm like thinking in the back of my mind, oh, Beth is not going to like this. And uh, when I kept going, though, about 10 or 15 yards out, uh, it started to open up and it got more and more clear. And, and suddenly it just got into this bright, crystal uh, clear blue water. I mean, there were fish everywhere, brightly colored coral. Um, I even saw a sea turtle. And I was like, wow, I feel like I'm in an aquarium right now. This is the best snorkeling I've ever done. This is totally awesome. I can't wait to share this experience with my wife. And uh, so I pop my head back and I look at my wife and she's basically, she's in waist deep water looking at this murkiness thinking she's not going any further. And I'm like, oh, honey, it's okay. It's only murky for a little bit. Just come out a little bit further. It'll be great. You know, you just kind of power through that, that, that dark spot, you know. And I made the fatal, you know, famous last words. I'm like, just don't look, right? Just don't look down. And she's like, what do you mean don't look down? Why, why not look down? What's down there? And I'm like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Just come, just come. And so she, being a good sport, went ahead and, and, and got in the water and, and then started swimming. But, of course, within a couple seconds, she couldn't resist but to look. And it was that dark, sketchy-looking, murky water. And she was out of there. She got spooked. She gone. She right back to the beach. And, uh, you know, she wasn't coming in. And, and I, was, I was totally bummed. And I was like, man, this is such a great experience. You know, you're, you know, Wow. And I just can't, can't help but think, you know, I know she, to this day she would say she made the right call. But in my heart, I just feel like she just totally missed out on that snorkeling experience. And what a bummer that is for her. And I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, uh, uh, you know, that doesn't, uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, our experience here at the church. You know, some of us are in this uh, great place and here at the church, we've dove in and we are, you know, seeing things we've never seen, having a great experience here at the church. And then there's some of us who are, you know, still on the beach. We've got our snorkel gear on, but we're kind of reluctant to jump in and go dive in a little bit further. We might be like my wife, who's waist deep up in the water and, uh, you know, kind of looking like, I don't know if I want to, you know, it, it looks a little sketchy. I, I just, I'm getting out of my comfort zone if I were to press on and, and, and be more committed to this thing. And so um, what I want to do is look at a passage in uh, Acts chapter 2, which really gives us a picture of a group of people who were 
all in and highly committed to one another. So turn with your Bibles uh, with me to Acts chapter 2. It's on page 911. And we're going to see a picture of what God intends for our, the church. And I don't know uh, what you think about the church. Is this a service you come to? Is this a building? Uh, are, are you thinking about church based off of prior experience? Well, today we get to look at the picture in the scripture, God's model for the church. And I think what we're going to see is it's a lot different than what a lot of people think about uh, what, how it's supposed to be. So look at the, the text with me again. This is on page 911. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We're going to keep reading a, a little bit to get some more context. And it says, Awe and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, the early church was characterized by a devotion to God's word being taught, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. And, and we are familiar with that word devoted. In the English, um, the definition is to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a particular person, activity, or cause, right? We kind of know what that means. In the Greek, there's this idea of continuing to do something with intense effort or, or occupying yourself diligently with something. In Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 4, you might be familiar with this passage where it talks about the apostles, right, appointing deacons so they could be more devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. So just as we would rightly expect uh, those who teach us, the pastors, to be devoted to prayer, to put a lot of time, to put a lot of energy into uh, uh, preparing sermons and, and ministering uh, with the word, we as a church are supposed to show that same kind of devotion to that teaching, to fellowship with one another, and prayer. See, the early church was more even about a commitment to a teaching and a group of people than it was about coming to a service or even attending a, bu a building. Um, church was not something they just fit into their schedule. This is something that their schedule revolved around. So point number one, if you're taking notes, and I wish that you would, please write down point number one. We need to rethink our concept of church. So rethink your concept of church. And we're going to note right now, just even in this text, the natural flow between teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Uh, we'll talk about each of these individually, but there is a flow. The people would meet, and they would hear the apostles t uh, teach. Then they would go to their homes, and presumably they would talk about that, and they would fellowship with one another. They'd have a meal together, and that led to them praying. And when I was thinking about that, that sounds a lot like what happens at, uh, at one of our retreats. Raise your hand if you've been to the men's retreat or you've been to the women's retreat. Yes. Okay, awesome. You've been there. Now, uh, raise your hand if you were encouraged by going to that retreat. 
right? Would you want to go again and have that experience again? Yes. Retreats are an awesome thing. And ladies, uh, a couple weeks away, uh, the women's retreat. So I'd really encourage you to go. Um, and because when we go to those retreats, is it any wonder that we leave there encouraged and more fired up to live for the Lord? Well, what do we do with those retreats? Well, we hear a lot of sermons, right? We hear like four sermons. We're in the word. We're devoted to teaching. We're talking about it with one another and encouraging one another to apply it. We're having our meals together, right? And we're, having, we're sharing life together. We're doing some fun activities, and that leads to times of prayer. It should be no wonder why these retreats are so encouraging. This is exactly God's model for how church is supposed to be. And what's, you know, kind of sad is going to a retreat feels like this novel kind of refreshing experience. But for the early church, that was like how it was all the time. That was like standard operating procedure. Um, and so uh, we need to uh, get, uh, kind of rethink our, our, our concept of church and get back to what it was all about here in the scripture. Now, I'd like to take a closer look at each of these elements. If you uh, look back at your Bible, you can see uh, number one, right? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And of course, this included Jesus' teaching and the apostles' teaching, which now makes up our New Testament. And notice what it says as you drop down in the context in verse 46. It says, and day by day, they were attending the temple together. Now, what's interesting is the word devoted in verse 42 and that word in verse 46, attending, that's the exact same word in the Greek. See, to really be devoted to something, you have to attend it, right? Your attendance is required. And I can't help uh, as a teacher, as a lot of you guys know, I was a teacher for 14 years before I took this position here at the church as a pastor. When I think about attendance and teaching, I think of, I think of school. And so I'd like you to write down our first little subpoint like this. You and I, we need to be a serious student of Scripture. Let's be a su- serious student of Scripture. And it, it, whether we were a good student or not in school, I think we can all agree on the, the recipe for success in school right? You show up to class, right? You pay attention and you do your homework, right? I mean, that's kind of like the fundamental uh, uh, recipe for success. So let's just take a a look at each of those. uh, Let's take a look at attendance. How are we doing? Let's just take a broad look. The church in America, how well are Americans attending church? Well, uh, I got these statistics off the internet. I think they're pretty good. It says, uh, disturbingly, only 23% of Americans attend church more than one time a month, okay? So that's just America in general. 23% of people attend church more than one time a month. In terms of evangelical Protestants, 58% of them say they go to church every single week. 58% go to church every single week. Now, if we go back with the school thing, in the state of California, if you are absent more than 10% of the days, you are considered to be chronically absent, okay? Chronically absence is more than 10% absences uh, in in the year. And every educator knows that attendance is like the number one predictor of student success. It's like common sense. If you are there, you are going to learn. And the problem is, is I wonder, based off of those statistics, how many Christians would be considered chronically absent from church? 
How many of us are missing, if we do the math, there's 52 weeks in a year, right? That gives us 5.2 absences per year, right? How many people are missing 5.2 or more times a, a church in a year? We would be considered chronic absentees, okay? Now, in, in school, that means lower test scores, uh, less, uh, you know, ability to read, right? And, you know, um, you know maybe it leads to dropout rates and, 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 and other problems like that. But when we're talking uh, in our spiritual life, not coming to church, that's going to mean that we're less encouraged. That's going to mean we're uh, going to be uh, maybe more prone to sin, right? We're more prone to compromise. And some people maybe even to fall away. So uh, being at church is super, super important. I mean, how are we doing here at Compass HB? Now, I don't have an exact percentage to throw out there, but on an average week, we see about 11 to 1,200 people here at our church. Um, but in our biggest weeks, we've seen up to as many as 1,500 or even over that amount. So if you do the math, there's a couple hundred people every week that are missing from church. And I realize uh, you know, sometimes people are legitimately sick and they can't come. And that's why we have the live stream. Or maybe they're away on business travel. And, and so we have the live stream for that. Okay, But I wonder how many people could be here that are not because they're not as devoted as the early church uh, it was to, to being together. Okay, um, Now, uh, the other thing we got to do uh, and, and note as a, a serious student is when we're at class, right, if we're at church, we need to pay attention. And there's a great example of a group of people who really paid attention in Acts chapter 17. So will you grab your Bible and just flip a few pages over to the right. In Acts chapter 17, we see these people in the uh, city of Berea. Um, so look at uh, Luke's description of a group of people who were really devoted to teaching. And note the language that he uses um, when Paul taught in this synagogue in Berea. In verse um, uh, 11, Acts 17, 11, this is on page 926. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. See, they were receiving the word with eagerness. They were ready to hear it, and they were, it says here, examining the scriptures daily, that idea of looking closely at it, uh, to investigate it, to see if it is true. So they were, you know, in, in modern-day terms, they were students who were taking copious notes. They were writing things down because they didn't want to miss it. They were writing things down like they could go back later and look at it and see with what was being taught was true. Right. Um, and so when we are here at church, uh, how good are, are our notes? Are we taking notes right now, writing down what's being said, noting the cross references to see if that is actually what the scripture says? We should be paying attention like the Bereans. Um, and as a teacher, OK, and I was a science teacher, I know. Uh, you know, I've been around all kinds of students, um, and I, I, one of the reasons students don't really pay attention in school is because they don't think it's that important, right? Uh, one of the, the, my least favorite phrases to hear as a teacher uh, was this, this uh, refrain from my, when are we going to use this, right? When are we going to ever use this? I was a science teacher, and maybe some of the stuff I was teaching wasn't going to be directly applicable to their life at the moment, but when are we ever going to use this, right? Um, and, you know, that, that was just, uh, you know, something that would be like nails on a chalkboard uh, to me. Um, because, you know, we do appre uh, approach something differently when there's the expectation when we're going to apply it. 
Okay, my first year I taught seventh grade life science. I taught the human body. Uh, later in my teaching career, I was teaching at Saddleback College uh, an anatomy class that, uh, uh, for the pre-nursing program. Okay? And I can guarantee you, uh, those two groups of students looked at what I was saying a lot differently. Okay? These group over here in this, in this pre-nursing program, they knew that there was going to be an expectation that one day they, would, they were going to apply what they were learning. I mean, that could even mean a, a, a life or death situation, right? They were uh, approaching it like they were going to apply it, and they took a lot more notes. They asked a lot more questions. Sometimes I, I felt like too many questions. They exhausted me with questions, but they were writing things down. I remember as a student, when I was uh, taking notes in college, I would try to write down every word the professor said. I even got carried away and like recorded the lectures and go went back and listened to them and I was just out of control because I didn't want to miss it because I, I thought it was important and that is the expectation in the scripture turn with me to James chapter 1 on page 1011 the expectation of scripture let's just make that super clear is that we would apply what we are learning we need to approach what we're hearing with the expectation that we need to apply it to our life. Look at James chapter 1. This is on page 1011, uh, where James encourages us to be doers of the word. This is uh, James 1, uh, verse 22. We'll read all the way down to 25. Read with me. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forget, forgets what he was like. But the one, notice this, who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Right? It's the one who listens to the word and does it, that is the one who is blessed. The one who hears the word and doesn't act is like one who looks in the mirror and then he forgets what he looks like. Now, ancient mirrors, um, uh, are, they weren't like our mirrors today. They were polished pieces of metal like bronze or silver and you would had to look really closely to actually see your reflection. And you can just imagine, maybe even picturing a mirror today, when you were looking closely at your face and you noticed that you had a, a, you know, a big piece of food stuck in there, maybe like a piece of cilantro, or if you're like me, you've got a, you know, your hair sticking out to the side. If I was to look at that and say, oh wow, there's a big thing in my tooth and my hair sticking out to the side. And then I just went out the door and went to work and start shaking your hand, say, hey, how's it going today? I got a big thing in my tooth and my hair sticking out to the side. You'd be, how foolish would that be right but that's the same thing when we look into God's word his perfect law it shows us who we really are compared to God's standard right there's an expectation as we look at God's commands that that there's something that we're not doing there's something that we need to change and so we need to take action there's always got to be some kind of response notice it's the one who looks intently into the word who perseveres who puts it into practice, right? When we change and we conform more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, that's where the blessing is, right? It's not just about head knowledge. It's about putting it into practice. Uh, and of course, James is echoing Jesus' teaching. For example, on the Sermon on the Mount, you might remember this. In Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus tells us about the one who builds his house on the rock. Who is that? The one who hears these words and does them. 
right? In Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, who are the blessed ones? Those are the ones who hear the word of God and keep it. As D.L. Moody said uh, so famously and so well, he said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. See, we need to approach this book every time we hear it preached, every time we read it, like we are expected to apply it and we need to pay careful attention. Now, the, the third thing uh, every a serious student takes seriously is their homework, okay? Um, and so we try to help you out with the homework, trying to apply this to your life by uh, those applications questions on the back of your sermon. So every sermon we have these questions, and, uh, you know, hopefully you're doing them. And I wonder, how seriously are we doing them? Are we seeing that as like an optional thing? Or is this like something we're taking really seriously because I need to apply the word to my life? Um, and so I'd encourage you, if you're not, to spend time every week going over those, looking up the cross-references, and carefully writing down your answers. And a great way to kind of keep you accountable and even encourage you to keep doing this is to attend one of our fellowship groups. And that's really one of the main goals of our groups is to help each other apply the word to our lives so we wouldn't be, uh, you know, hearers who forget, but we would be do, uh, doers of the word and we would be blessed because of that. Um, and so if, you, if you're in a group, you know, and, and I encourage you to keep coming to your group, but just think about those questions for a little bit more. How many times are we coming to the group with those questions done, just waiting to share because we have uh, already been thinking about it, we've already been applying it to our life? Um, that, that, how many times are we doing that versus how many times are we come in with a blank sheet of paper with nothing really to share because we haven't really thought about it? Maybe we're trying to wing it on the spot and, you know, kind of jump in the conversation. Or maybe we're, we feel like we don't have anything to share because we haven't carefully considered it before we come to the group, okay? We need to actively participate in, in, our, in our groups. Um, in addition to, to those questions that, um, and, and doing your homework, every serious student eventually finds their way uh, back to the textbook. And this is our textbook. As Christians, this is the book we need to be looking to. Um, and so what we do here at the church to encourage each other to get into the uh, textbook and become an independent, lifelong learner like every serious student uh, needs to is this thing called Scripture of the Day. How many people are doing Scripture of the Day? Awesome. Keep doing the Scripture of the Day. We're doing it Monday through Friday. You'll just consider that your required reading, right, for the course of, 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 of walking with Christ. We should be in His Word on a daily basis basis and I wonder how committed are we now we're trying to help you uh, with these videos that Pastor Bobby and Pastor Bill they're putting a lot of time and energy in that to really try to help give you some context as you read the word and kind of help you understand it but don't just watch the videos you need to carefully look at that text and be a good Berean yourself and examine it closely um, so I would encourage you every time, you know, after you watch the video, read it yourself and then pick out a verse that stands out to you. Um, ask God beforehand to show you, you know, what does he want to, uh, you to change in your life? How can you apply his word today and see if a verse doesn't jump out at you as you do your reading? And if you've been through our, our partners program, you know about the TAN method of studying the Bible. TAN is an acronym for then, always, and now. 
This is, this is a way we can help think about a verse more deeply and, and think about it in the then, the original context and the immediate context. The always is the eternal truth that God is trying to tell us in his word. And of course, the now is, well, how do I respond to it? How am I going to change? How am I going to think differently about God? That is a great way to, to think about a verse more deeply. Um, and so I would encourage you to do that, and I'd encourage you to actually write it down. Okay, when you write something down, it forces you to articulate your thoughts. It, it goes from being a, a fog, you know, this ethereal thing to something very tangible when it's there on a paper. Or if you're, you know, you, you're writing things down electronically to type it out. Okay, type out a little response and then share it with others. When you share it with others, that, that helps you uh, to be accountable. It also helps you uh, encourage others as people uh, um, hear what you're learning from the word and that can be done just in your home you can share what you're learning with your kids as you go through the scripture of the day with your spouse um, and hopefully even people at church in your fellowship group share with one another what you are learning what you are applying to God's life that can be a huge encouragement to other people and help hold you accountable to being a doer of the word do you think you would remember it more if you actually wrote it down i can guarantee you it'll be right on your mind um, it, it'll be more tangible and, and that little investment every day will have a big payoff so be a serious student of the scripture and approach it, the word every time you hear it every time you read it like you're going to apply it now turn with me please back to acts chapter 2 we're going to go back to Acts 2, and we can see that the apostle, uh, excuse me, that the believers were not only devoted to the apostles' teaching, right? They, and they're putting a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of their resources into being together and hearing that word taught. They were putting that same kind of intentionality into fellowship. So it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship so that same kind of in, uh, 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 focused attention and energy was going into fellowship now wh that word fellowship uh, is the very rich word in the Greek koinonia maybe you've heard that word before koinonia um, it really means to share together to have a close mutual association it's actually used 19 times in the New Testament it's also translated beside fellowship sharing participation and contribution see we as believers in christ have a, a, a we share the life of christ um, that is a bond that should unite us like nothing else in this world in first john 1 3 uh, it, it says this it says that which we have seen and heard we we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, that's koinonia, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. See, the natural outflow of, a, of, of sharing this life of Christ uh, to being in Christ is that we share it with other people. Um, and so the early church, they not only shared the word together, they shared their life together. And so we are all called to share, participate, contribute to the lives of others here at the church and so if you uh, look at the context again look back at 46 verse 46 in acts chapter 2 it says and day by day right they attended the temple together to hear the teaching and notice what happens next they went to their homes and broke bread together so there's a natural flow between 
uh, hearing the teaching and then meeting together. So there was a time of teaching where everybody was kind of, you know, side by side hearing the word taught. But then that flowed right into a time where they were interacting with each other face to face in each other's homes. Okay, Um, and so what we have to see is just coming to church here one time a week. That is not uh, koinonia. We've got it's got to extend beyond just one time a week to another time. Uh, And so that's going to take our our time. Right. I mean, there's no getting around that. We're going to have to uh, prioritize more time to connect with others outside of the weekend service. So let's go ahead and write it down this way for our second dash. We need to clear your calendar for koinonia. So clear your calendar for koinonia for fellowship. It's not just going to happen. It's going to take some time. And and this is going to have to become a priority on our calendars. So clear your calendar for koinonia. And after you write that down, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 is on page 1007. And this is one of our theme verses, the other theme verse besides James 1, for our fellowship groups. So unlike uh, if we think about some of our jobs these days, right, that can be done remotely. Does anybody have one of those jobs where you don't have to necessarily go into the office all the time? You can work remotely. Fellowship cannot be done remotely, okay? It requires your presence. We have to be together in order for that to happen. And and, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 uh, uh, makes that very clear. So read it with me here. We're on page 1000. And seven, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, we're to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You cannot do that in isolation. You have to be around other people. So let me just give you, this is one of the one another commands. There's so many in the Bible. We're going to research some of those uh, in, in our fellowship groups uh, for the application questions. But let me just share with you uh, just three one another commands. We'll put them up on the screen uh, so you don't have to turn there. Galatians 5.13 is a great command. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another, right? How can, you can't serve people unless you're next to them. That makes no sense, right? Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another. It's up here on the screen. Uh, Is it up there on the screen? Yeah, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as as God in Christ forgave you, right? So being kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, again, you have to be around other people to do that. Can't do that just by coming one time a week on the weekend. James 5.16. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I mean, so this is just, these are just three of the one another commands that are in the scripture. And there are tons of them uh, as we will research in our groups. But just in these three, let's see what we're called to do. We're called to love, serve, be kind, forgive, confess our sins, and pray to one another. Do you see how you cannot do that in isolation? You must be connecting with other believers uh, at, at another time during the week. Notice verse 25. It says, not neglecting to meet together, right? But encouraging another, one another 
all the more as you see the day approaching, right? So as the day is approaching, that is the day when Christ returns, right? We're closer now than we have ever been to that day. Would you agree to that? We're one day closer. Praise the Lord. Um, but it, we're supposed to be meeting and, and, and fellowshipping more and more. Is that true of us? Or is, is your dedication to meeting with other Christians, is it, is it the most it's ever been in your life? And if it is, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Keep going. And, and we should keep devoting that time to one another. Um, but we may be, we actually, some of us are neglecting to meet with one another. All right? Um, and, and, that's, and that's sad, right? We're supposed to be doing this more and more, not less and less. And if we are neglecting to meet, um, I, I, I wonder, I mean, we got to wonder, why aren't we meeting with one another? I think a lot of us will use the excuse that we're too busy. Right? We, we got a lot of things going on. I just don't have time to do that during the week. But I would argue that busyness is kind of a state of mind. It's a matter of perspective. Because I know retired people. Okay? I know retired people who are very busy people. Okay? Do you know any of these retired people who are super, super busy? Okay? Well, uh, well, how is that? Well, it's just, it's just a matter of, it's a really an issue of priority. See, we make time for the things that are important for us, right? We make time every day to eat three times. We, we dedicate some time to sleep. We're, we dedicate time for our family. If it's important, we make time for it. So if we're ever going to have the kind of experience that we really want to have at church, it's going to have to take the priority of our time. We're going to have to meet with people outside the weekend service. Um, and so we uh, encourage everyone to do that here at the church. We have a very practical way, and that is by coming to one of our 27 fellowship groups. So I uh, would encourage you to join one if you're not. Um, but those of us are who are going, how devoted are we to actually going? Um, and so as a, 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 one of the things I do here at the church is I oversee the fellowship groups. I help people get plugged in. Um, we actually do take attendance of those who go to the fellowship groups and when they come. Um, and so I do have a statistic ha of how many people who come on a weekend service actually end up showing up for koinonia that week uh, at fellowship group. And it might surprise you, and it's a little tricky to do these stats. I did my best to get an accurate number, but it's, a, it's pretty close to 50%. Maybe in the mid-50% of us who come here on, on, during, and hear the teaching side-by-side uh, uh, side are actually meeting that same week and getting koinonia. That's about 50%. And so um, I don't know what you think about that, but I don't know many contexts where 50% is really acceptable. Right? Could you, would it be okay if you, you went to 50% of your appointments that you made with your friends? Uh, if you showed up 50% of the time at work or, 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 or school? If you, you showed up to 50% of your family's uh, birthday parties? Um, I don't think that's, that's, that's going to cut it, right? And in school, 50% is an F. Is it, is it any really wonder why some of us are really discouraged? We're not feeling encouraged uh, when only half of us are really uh, getting basic koinonia on a given week see we're supposed to be meeting together more and more right this is supposed to be more of a, a priority koinonia needs to be a staple on our calendar okay uh, we cannot see groups as something we go to if we can make it right this is something that we're going to do everything in our power to be uh, this is not something that gets worked into our calendar if it works out. No, this is, it should be something that drives our calendar. We should see koinonia as essential, as a, as a non-negotiable. 
Now, I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 2. Turn back to Acts chapter 2 because I don't want you to get the impression that um, coming to a fellowship group is the end of koinonia. Okay? It's not the end of koinonia. It's actually the beginning of koinonia. See, this is, this is like koinonia 101. Okay? Meeting with people one time a week is really the platform where you can now build some relationships and really start to love other people here at the church. So it's not, it's not the end, it's the beginning. It's the launching point to where we can now start sharing that life of Christ more and more. Remember the church was, the early church was doing that day after day. Real koinonia will extend into real life. And as we see in our text here, it's actually going to extend into our homes. So pick it up with me um, in, in, um, Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? The fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Now, uh, some people have taken the breaking of bread there because it's used of the Lord's Supper. Uh, in other places in the Bible, that's what that's referring to. And they've even taken this whole sequence as how, uh, a model of how we should do a weekend service. Um, but really, if we, if we look down at verse 46... We, get, we see that same term used again. Notice it says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So uh, I think we have a, 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 a pretty good confidence that what they were doing at their home, maybe they were doing the Lord's Supper, but they were actually sharing meals together. They were having food. They were, they were having a, a time of fellowship over a meal. Uh, and so they were, had a regular pattern of doing this uh, in the early church. So I just wonder if we just even took that simple step. What if we shared more meals together here at the church? Would that not go a long way for us feeling closer together, having a real fellowship? I, I think you guys all know, right, when, you're, when you have a meal, uh, people relax. I mean, you start talking about real life, right? You really get to know people in a whole nother way. And so I wonder, I mean, do you think, um, uh, you know, that people would, would benefit from that? I mean, I, I, I think they would. Um, I think you would get to know people a, a lot better. And so I wonder, how often are you opening up your house? How often do you open up your house to have people from your fellowship group or the church over to have them over for a meal? Uh, how often does that happen? And what prevents you, if it's not happening regularly, what prevents you from doing that? Um, you know, maybe it, your house it doesn't, it isn't ready for people to come over, right? Maybe it's not as clean or as organized a, as you want it. So you, you kind of feel a little embarrassed for people to kind of see your house that way. Well, here's an idea. If you want to be more dedicated to koinonia, clean up your house, right? Do a little cleaning. Do a little tidying, right? If it, you don't like the way it looks, you know, maybe invest in a little, you know, I'm not saying like a, a whole remodel here, but maybe invest in a couple decorations. Maybe paint that wall that needs to be painted, right? Put a little uh, uh, love into your house. Get it ready so it's an inviting atmosphere for some koinonia. Um, but re please remember, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not about the house, right? It's about the people. I've had some great times of fellowship with other brothers in a garage, okay? And I'll tell you what, the garage didn't look that great, okay? It doesn't matter the place. It matters about the people. But if it makes you feel more comfortable, yeah, tidy up a little bit. You know, make it look nice and have people into your home. Uh, and I know what a lot of you are thinking, right? You're thinking, that sounds like a lot of work. You're right, it is a lot of work to have someone over, right? There, there, there is some planning. You got to, you know, get the groceries. You got you to gotta do that cleaning. You got to do the tidying. You know, it, it does take a lot of, of work, but it is so worth it. 
I mean, when you have someone over to your house and you share that meal together and you share that time together, you, you share life together. You really get to know them. You really feel a lot closer. And, and I think we would benefit by just uh, that simple step, having more people over to our house uh, and having uh, meals together would be a great way to get to know them. And, and you can see as you get to know people, right, then you get to understand where they're really out, where, the, where they're really struggling. Maybe they have some needs that you can meet. So there's really a natural flow from that close mutual association into meeting each other's needs. And that's really what we see. If you look at verse 44 in our passage, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And if you flip the page to uh, chapter 4, verse 32, it kind of expresses the same idea. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Okay, now before you freak out and think that this is advocating for communism, this is not communism, right? This is voluntary. This is seeing a need, caring about someone else, and, and trying to meet it with whatever resources you, you have because you love them, because you're caring for them. Um, and so they held their possessions loosely and looked to meet each other's needs. So there's that natural flow as we get to know each other that naturally leads to sharing, sharing our possessions, sharing our, our life together. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I mean, that's what we all, we, we all want. And I'm really encouraged because I know that's going on in our fellowship groups, okay? I know there are people who are bringing each other meals when people need them. People are visiting each other in the hospital. Um, they're helping each other, like, with practical things like moving. Um, you know, uh, they're praying with each other. They're, they're, they're bearing with their, each other and their burdens. Um, and, and, you know, it's not just that. It, it's also they're, they're having fun together. They're, 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 they're really developing a real genuine friendship because they're spending time together. And that, I mean, that's really how it should be. We, we should have friends here at the church. And arguably some of our closest friends should be people here at the church. And, and, and there can be this great unity amongst the diversity. And that's one of the, the beautiful things about the Christian community. Because we share in this life of Christ together. God brings people from all different backgrounds, all different, you know, circumstances, and he, he makes them one. And, and we learn to love one another, and we have this great unity amongst all our diversity because we're sharing the life of Christ. And that's going to require that we share our time and because these relationships aren't going to happen on their own. We're called to do this more and more. So we need to clear our calendars for Koinonia. We got to make fellowship with others a priority. Now, of course, this was not uh, the only thing they were devoted to, right? Our passage also says the early church was devoted to prayer. And you're in Acts chapter 4. Please turn over to Acts chapter 1. And I just want to show you a couple of examples of their devotion to prayer, where we see the same word in the context uh, specifically of prayer. So look at uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves, that's our same word, to prayer together with the women, the Mary, uh, and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So we can see we have example here of Christians praying together. Uh, turn over again to Acts 4. We were just there in verse 24. We see another example of Christians praying together. It says, and when they heard it, 
they lifted their voices together to God. And then it goes on and says what, what their prayer was, right? So they lifted their voices together. That word together is the same word translated one accord in, 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 verse, in chapter 1, verse 14. There was unity in their prayer together. Turn over to Acts chapter 12. Uh, a couple pages more to the right. In Acts 12, 12, it says this. It says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Do you see this, this picture we have here? And we've been talking a lot about uh, prayer at our church, and we've got to make prayer a priority. And absolutely, we should be in the secret place on our own, praying to God, and hopefully following that, that model of Daniel and doing that more and more, right, even up to three times a day where it's just us and God uh, in, in communication. But notice this picture here in these just three verses in Acts where we see that Christians are also praying together. So let's put it down this way for our third little dash. We need to pray with the plural, okay? Pray with the plural. We'll talk more. Maybe you've heard about praying in the plural, uh, interceding on behalf of, the, uh, of other people. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come from the book of Daniel. But today, I just want to note this, that there are, as Christians, we need to pray with other people. We need to pray with the plural. And praying together in unity, when we do that with one focus, can really knit our hearts together on a spiritual level like really nothing else can. That spiritual intimacy. Sharing our prayers, you see, is a natural overflow of sharing our life. As we understand what people are going through, what their needs are, uh, that's going to lead to us praying together. And I wonder, why don't we pray more with other Christians? Why aren't we doing this uh, more and more like they were devoted to doing it in the book of Acts? Um, and I know some of us are just not, you know, straight up, we're not comfortable with it. And maybe the reason we're not comfortable with it is because we haven't done it that much, right? I mean, just like anything, the more you do something, the more you practice it, the more comfortable you get with it. Uh, remember, when we pray, prayer is, is directing our thoughts to God, okay? It's communication. It doesn't have to be done verbally, uh, but it does have to be done mentally, so we need to engage our minds. So maybe some people are looking at prayer. Hey, this sounds really boring. I'm just listening to one person pray. And, you know, th but that's not prayer. Prayer is not listening. It's engaging our minds and directing our thoughts. And actually, group prayer is a very mentally engaging activity. If you're doing that, you're taking other people's thoughts, and, and, and as they direct them to God, you're, you're harnessing them as your own and directing them to God. That's actually uh, very difficult to do. It takes a lot of concentration. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of effort. Um, and I know there are distractions, right? We, you know, our mind might tend to drift. You know, some of us who are more critical might start evaluating what other people are praying. Okay, so we got to push away those distractions and really try to focus on what thoughts can I direct to God from that, that prayer. And that can be a really just an awesome experience. If you just even started praying together with other Christians, I guarantee 
prayer would start to be more of a priority in your life. And there's just great benefit when you pray with others. Uh, Both the length of your prayers will increase, the breadth of your prayers will increase, and the depth of your prayers will increase. I mean, if you are with a group of people, um, it's, it's going to kind of hold you accountable to praying for some time. And, and it's, it's not like it's forced time. It's like blessed time. Like when I'm praying, maybe I would conk out after a few minutes of just praying on my own. But when I have other people around praying, suddenly like 30 to 40 minutes just kind of flies by. And, you know, and I, I barely, barely even knew that that time had elapsed because it was just so awesome. Uh, and so the time or the length of our prayers will increase. Um, the breath uh, of our prayers, what we actually pray for. I've, I've been in groups of people praying, and I was praying, I thought I was praying, and then they were, you know, praying for something else, and it's like, oh, wow, I should have been praying for that. Like, oh, good, I'm glad they brought that up, right? And now I'm praying that too as I direct my thoughts. And so now the range of things that I'm actually praying for has expanded because I'm with other people directing uh, th- my thoughts to God. And of course, the, the, the depth of what I pray. Um, and so when you're around uh, some more mature Christians, if you come to one of our uh, prayer meetings, you're going to hear some prayer warriors. And really, you know, you can learn and, and, and just even pray what they're praying. That's going to help expand even the depth and the richness of your own prayer. You know, it's never a waste of time. I, I don't talk to anybody who goes to a prayer meeting and thinks, oh, that, that was a waste of time. Every time I, I come to one of these meetings, I feel, I feel a sense of peace. I, I feel a sense of encouragement. I feel a sense of empowerment. I am totally blessed by that prayer time. And so I wonder what opportunities you have to pray with other Christians throughout the week that you need to start taking advantage of. So I know some, some of the groups, uh, fellowship groups, are meeting on their own. Uh, make it a priority to be there. Um, we do have weekly prayer meetings here at the church on Monday night at 7 p.m. And then on Wednesday morning, the ladies get together and pray. Um, so please join us for those. And, and that's an awesome thing. But you don't have to come to one of these meetings. You can get a group of people and start having your own, like, underground prayer meeting. That, that would be an awesome thing where you are, are directing your thoughts in unity uh, to God. And a lot of times at these prayer meetings, what's really encouraging is, is our prayers start to expand beyond just us, and it starts to go to the common good of the church, the advancement of the gospel, maybe to our missionaries, uh, uh, planning churches. So when, when we are directing uh, these kind of big prayers way beyond our, our, our circumstances, there's something even refreshing in that. So be prepared. If you come to these prayer meetings, to be encouraged um, and to lift your voices together to the Lord. Now, please turn back with me to Acts chapter 2, because there's something about this word devoted that we haven't touched on, which I don't want us to miss, right? So they were devoted to to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking bread, and the prayers. Now, that certainly includes putting time and effort in, as we've been talking about. But there's a little element to this in the Greek um, that we don't want to miss, because it really has this idea of staying with something or persevering. Or as we might say, persisting. Um, and I really like that word persistence. That really captures the idea in our English that the word persistence means to continue firmly or obstinately in an opinion course of action uh, in spite of difficulty, opposition, or failure. Right? So it's this idea of pressing on, to continue to do it, to remaining with it, right? Sticking to it. 
Um, that's really a, a, another co- uh, essence of our word devoted. Um, so the world we live in, I know uh, you, you, it hasn't escaped your notice, is not really conducive, right? Our, our world is not set up really for us to be devoted to teaching fellowship and prayer. It's not making it easy on us. Um, this is something that we're going to have to, there's, there are always things that are going to be pulling at us, right, to pull us away from these things. We're going to have to work. We're going to have to put some effort in to keep this central in our life like the early church. We're going to need to persist and stay with it even when it becomes hard, even when there's difficulty or resistance. So let's put it like this for point number two. Would you write it down? Let your persistence overcome the resistance. Okay, let your persistence overcome the resistance. We are going to have to push through some resistance if we are going to ever have a devotion to these things. And after you write that down, please turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 uh, gives us our same word in a different context. And sometimes when we see that same word in a different context, it can kind of help us understand the meaning a little bit better. So this is on page 948, Romans 13, and uh, it has to do with uh, our governing authorities, and I hate to bring it up, but it is getting close to tax season, um, so I hate to bring that up, but we are supposed to be subject to our governing authorities and give to Caesars what is Caesars and to God's what is God's. Um, and look at verses 5 through 7 with me, and we're going to see our words show up here um, in the context of paying taxes. And I know, I'm sorry to bring that up, but it's a good, it's a, it's a, it can be helpful. It says in verse 5, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, in terms of uh, the governing authorities, but also for the sake of conscience. Verse 6, For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed, okay? So in verse 6 where it says, for because of this you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. That word attending again is our word devoted. So let's just think about that. How devoted are the authorities to getting our tax money? Does Uncle Sam persevere when it comes to collecting taxes? Will the IRS come and find you? Will they push through obstacles and difficulty? Even if they feel tired, will they come hunt you down? Will they put in severe consequences if you don't pay your taxes no matter what it costs them? We know yes, right? Uh, hopefully you're paying your taxes, but you know if you don't, right, there can be penalty fees. There can, they can garnish your wages. They can put liens on your property. They can take you to court, but they are going to stay after you, right? They're going to continue. Well, no matter what resistance you give them, they will come after you, and their Uncle Sam's going to get his money, right? Um, that is the same kind of perseverance that you and I are supposed to show towards the teaching of Scripture, fellowship, and prayer. So even if it becomes hard, we're supposed to keep on doing it. We're supposed to push on through. When we hear of opportunities to hear the word of God uh, taught, or if we, uh, there's opportunity to fellowship with other believers, um, we got to do everything in our power. Just like Uncle Sam would do everything in his power to get your money, we need to do everything in our power to be there. 
Are you ready to overcome obstacles to fellowship, to, to meeting together? Are you ready to, to push through them? Or are you ready just to give up the first inkling that there's any kind of resistance to it, right? I mean, uh, th- th- we have to understand there will be opposition, do we understand, right, this world, our flesh and the devil, they are opposed to us doing anything, uh, growing closer to God or putting his commands into practice. So our world's not set up, right? This world system, we got jobs, we put a lot of hours into that, we've got activities that are, are probably good activities that we're busy with, but I mean, we have a limited amount of time just by, uh, by fact of where we live, right? We have to understand the devil, the enemy, his, one of his key strategies is isolation, he wants to isolate you from other people, right? Are we, are we just going, going with that? Or are we going to push through and, and fight through that? And, and honestly, if we're, if we're honest, it might even just be us that's the problem, right? It might be our own flesh. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I mean, how many people don't come to a fellowship opportunity because they feel tired? Have you ever used that excuse? Huh? Okay, raise your hand in here if you are not tired at the end of the day. Not, not too many people are not tired, right? I mean, we're all tired, right? I mean, to some extent, right? We've got to push through that tiredness. And I got to tell you, I've gone to a fellowship group when I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like going, and I was tired. But I can tell you, I was so glad I went at the end of the night. I, I know some of you guys can relate to that. When I went, I was encouraged by my brothers and sisters. I was encouraged in prayer. Maybe a, so I learned something in the Word, and I, w- I left that group more energized, more invigorated, more empowered than I did before. And it, it was a good thing that I was there. See, that's, that's th- we, we've got to start listening to God's Word and not our feelings. And that's really the problem with a lot of us. We let our feelings dictate our actions okay it's based off of how we feel you know the scripture is saying no it doesn't matter how you feel obey the word right obey the word and let your feelings catch up and and praise the lord often they do they don't always but often they do i mean when, when we're tempted not to meet together we got to remember hebrews ten twenty five. it says to not neglect meeting together i mean well, are we going to listen to god's word or are we going to listen to our feelings at that moment Okay? I mean, we, that, that's, that's the choice we have to, to make, um, and, and uh, we don't want to be those who, who are the sum, right, the ones that have neglected, and I can guarantee you, if you stick with it, if you fight, if you persist, you go even though you don't feel like it, you, if you stay with it over the long term, you will be encouraged. Um, and perhaps it, the, the truth is you really are too busy. It could be perfectly possible. I know it's a matter of perspective, but some of you just have too much stuff on your calendar, okay? And, and so you're going to have to maybe say no to something so you can be more devoted to the fellowship, the teaching, and, 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 and praying with other people. So you might have to um, cut some things off, okay? And, and I, I want to encourage you, though, and, and those are, that persistence does pay off. And I've taught uh, um, in a fellowship group. I've been a, a fellowship group leader now here at the church for four years. And I can tell you, and I've talked to other leaders, the people at our groups that are the most committed, hands down, are the ones that are most encouraged, most uh, benefiting, the ones that are more fired up to live for Christ, They're the ones that are making more of a difference in this world by representing him. It's the ones who are committed. They're encouraged. Um, and it, the inverse is also true. There's a direct correlation between how committed we are to one another and how encouraged we are going to be. And so my my prayer is that we would make that connection. 
Last Monday, I, I decided to take my family up to the snow. I mean, you check those mountains out. It's so beautiful. I was like, I got, I got to be there. I got to go up to the mountains um, and take, we had the, uh, I have the day off on Monday. My kids had the day off for President's Day. It turned out that, that we weren't the only ones uh, going up there. Um, but on the way up, it was pretty smooth sailing until we got to that highway too. We went up to a mountain high there by Wrightwood and uh, the kids were so excited. You know, they had, we hadn't been in a couple years. Um, but as we started to see the mountain, you know, and the snow, the kids were like, yeah, look at the snow. Yeah, yeah. And then I could just see the traffic. I mean, we were miles away. Just, it was like bumper to bumper. And I don't know if you've ever been to Mountain High and through Wrightwood, but there's no traffic lights. It's just like a stop sign. People are merging in from all these other ways. And we're just like inching along. And I'm just thinking to myself, my kids are so excited. My kids, it's in my head. It's going to be another hour at least before we get there, you know, until we get there. Um, and so we, 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 we push on, and, you know, and then there's some thought in our mind, like, should we have come on the holiday weekend? And I'm like, wow, when else are we going to go, you know? So I was kind of, you know, having thoughts of, like, should, should we even come? Um, but, you know, we, we press on. So we're, we're going, and as we get closer, you can see, um, you know, that there's areas where people have pulled off to the side of the road, and people are playing in the snow. And, and at this point, you know, my kids are just ready to jump out of the car. They've been in the car for several hours. They're like, Dad, can we go out? Let's pull over. Let's, let's go out there and play. And, and, and I'm like, man, you know, I got a tip from a friend that if we go beyond the resort at Mountain High, if we go a little bit further, the snow will be even better. And there's just a lot of people, and it's like, it looks fun, but I, I just think it's going to be better. So I'm like, you know, no, I think kids, we're just going to keep pressing on. And they were good sports. My wife was reading them a story in the car. But, I mean, it's now like, it took us like, you know, hours in this, uh, this slow crawl. And now we're getting close to the resort, and there's a place where you can pay to go, you know, tubing. I'm like, that's a hands down. That's going to be a winner. But I'm like, eh. It's going to be crowded, you know, and I just, I just think that there's going to be a better, sp if we just keep going. So, uh, you know, now I'm starting to get the resistance. Now it's like, uh, you know, getting hostile in the car. The kids are getting impatient. My wife's like, I think we should turn around and just go back to the place where everybody else was. And I'm like, no, 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 we need to check, we need to get, keep checking it out. So we keep on pressing, um, and now it says like on the signs, chains required, right? Chains required. I had chains, and, but it was looking a little sketchy. The road is narrowing. We're starting to climb in elevation as we pass, um, you know, the resort. And, and now we're looking at the cliffs, and it's like, you know, some of these cliffs are straight down. My wife's like, you know, it's like, well, how are we going to sled in that? You know, there's people, it's not going to be any good. Let's just turn around. And I'm like, no, no, I bet there's going to be a spot. I, I'm just confident. And I was just, I was hoping for the best and relying on a friend who told me that there'll be some good stuff. And I saw this sign um, for a nature center at the, at the end there. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I bet you that nature center will have some, some place for us to go. And so we press on, we get there, and literally the highway ended right there because it was so packed with snow. It was just like piled up. You couldn't go any further. I'm like, all right, this is where we're going to go. Not knowing, you know, we step out of the car and it turned out just to be awesome. I mean, the first person I, I, I saw there, uh, they were like, oh yeah, no, it's great. This great sledding. This is great. It's awesome. I'm like, great. And there's like hardly any people there. This is awesome. It was so packed down there before. There's powder snow everywhere. And so we just had a great time. It was like three hours of a snow day, like throwing snowballs, going sledding, you know, making snow angels, making snowman. It was awesome. And, and, and the thing is, though, I had to persist to see that payoff, right? I had to keep going to get there. And praise the Lord, he was good. It was a, it was a great day. But I could have easily settled a long time ago and pulled off to the side of the road. And then when we were coming back, there's people sledding. And I'm like, oh, man, they don't even know how good it is up there if they would have just kept going. 
And, you know, and that's the thing. When I think about church, you know, it, it, some people are missing out on what God really has intended. If we just keep pressing, if we keep devoted to these things, we're going to see the payoff and the rich experience that so characterized the early church where they, we had a group of highly committed people to the teaching, to fellowship, and to prayer. That could be us, and it is my prayer that we would be those people. Let me pray for us, and we'll close out our time together. Heavenly Father, we do uh, just thank you so much, God, for your model here in Acts, God. And, and I pray, God, that we would be a church that is also characterized by a devotion to these things. God, that we would be a people who is just committed to being a serious student of your word, God. That every time we hear your word taught, we would take it seriously like we're going to apply it to our life. God, help us even to really prioritize fellowship, God, that we would be devoted to one another and really try to meet each other's needs as we get to know each other and spend time together. And God, that we would even make prayer more of a priority in our life. Um, God, as we pray with other believers in unity, God, and, and we know it's not going to be easy, God, so we know we got to persist to see the payoff. Help us trust, God, in your word, God. Uh, help us to show that perseverance so that we will have the blessing that you intended for uh, us here at the church. So we thank you, God. Thank you for this text. In Jesus' name, amen.